and a privilege to be considered his children. Amen. All right. Well, we are uh, this week uh, on part four of a series we're doing called Faith Is. And so what we've been doing is we have been looking at some different areas uh, that faith is out of the Bible. And of course, this could be just one of the broadest, biggest topics we could possibly study looking at faith. There's a thousand different things we could see here. But we're just looking uh, at, at a few different things. And listen, you have got to have strong faith for the day and age that we live in. You, I mean, you. this is so important that you really get a grasp on building your faith. And so there's a lot of different angles that we could take this from, but, you know, one great verse that we quoted this morning in a pastor's sermon is Romans 10:17. You got to know it, that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And so there's no way that you can be in here at all these services hearing the Bible, hearing the word. And if you're reading it on your own time and listening to it, you are going to be strong, And that's what we need. We need some strong Christians in 2016. We need people that are getting these promotions and raises and, you know, all this stuff that we're hearing up there. Man, this is what we need. And isn't it awesome that, you know, if you're in an environment like Monica was talking about, you got all these people around you and you can say, hey, I just prayed for this this morning and look what God did right away. I mean, that is awesome uh, to be able to testify of what God's doing in your life, even to a bunch of people that don't even serve him yet. So I think that's that's great. Well, tonight we're on part four of faith is, and we're going to say faith is full of joy. Yeah, and I love to look at the topic of joy because, man, isn't it a lot better to be joyful than depressed? Isn't it a lot better to be happy and and have a, a good outlook on your life than to be depressed and down and gloomy and negative and kicking rocks and pounding sand and all? Man, listen, this is a great thing for you to listen to tonight, and I believe God is going to speak to you. So we're going to see why it is that faith is so full of joy. But let's go ahead and open this up in prayer, and we've got a couple of great points to look at. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you, Lord, so much that we have a, a great church that we're able to come in and hear the word taught. We're able to fellowship and, and be with our family, Lord. And I pray tonight that as we open our hearts and our minds to your word, that you're going to speak to each person here. God, you know what each person's facing. And, Lord, I just pray in Jesus' name that you will absolutely have your way here tonight and bring us up to a better level in you. In Jesus' name, everyone said. Amen. All right. So, number one, why is faith full of joy? Well, because of this, because it trusts God. Amen. If you're genuinely trusting God, it's going to be pretty hard to be depressed. It's going to be pretty hard to be down and and gloomy if you're trusting God, because if you are genuinely trusting God, you are very confident that your situation is going to turn around. And I'm telling you, it is really hard to stay negative and depressed and sad if you're trusting God. So faith is full of joy because it trusts God. And the best example of this that I mean, and I, we've looked at this so many times together, but the best example of this is to look at the Apostle Paul in the book of Philippians. Now, so go ahead and turn over there to Philippians while we talk about this for a second. But 
Philippians is often called the joy epistle because the word joy, the word rejoice, is mentioned more times in this short book, four chapters, than, than almost any other book in the Bible. And, and so you're thinking, well, I mean, he must have just had a lot of good stuff going on. He was so happy. But the truth of the matter is this, is that he was in some bad circumstances when he wrote this letter. Bad circumstances. He was, he was in prison, okay? And, and we're not talking about, you know, a, a prison like we know of in, in our day and age. And, and, I mean, listen, I don't want to go to any prison at all. I, 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 I don't want to go to any of them. But we're talking, I mean, a couple thousand years ago, prison in Rome was a whole different set of, of rules that they're playing by. There's no human rights, so they don't have to show you any respect or decency. And so the prison that we believe Paul was in was the Mamertine prison in Rome. And, I, you know, maybe I've explained this to a lot of you before, but this prison was 12 feet underground in the city sewer system, in, in the cistern, and, and it was down there. I mean, you can imagine you're chained up, and there's rats, there's bats, there's the, the smell, there's human waste being just dumped on you. And, and the crazy thing is, this wasn't even as bad as it could get for you, because in Rome back then, Prison wasn't actually your, uh, it wasn't your punishment. That was the holding tank till they could decide what to do with you. And then who knows, they may crucify you, they may, you know, whatever, torture you in some other way. But that was just the holding tank for a little while. And so here he is in these terrible, terrible circumstances. And in fact, uh, I, I, I found a, a writing from a Roman historian from back in that day, Celeste. And here's how he described this prison. He said, it is sunk about 12 feet underground, walls secured on every side, and over it is a vaulted roof connected with stone arches. But the appearance is disgusting and horrible by reason of the filth, darkness, and stench. And so that's how this, you know, Roman historian described this prison. And here's Paul locked up down here. You know, I've usually one arm chained, and, and here he is, and just, I mean, how much worse could it get than this? And I want to read to you a little bit out of the letter that he wrote while he was in this prison. And so Philippians chapter 1 and verse 4, he starts off this letter to the church of Philippi, and he says, Whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. And so he just starts off this letter, hey, man, I'm praying for you, and I'm doing it with joy. It's great, man. I'm happy. I'm making my request. With, I'm full of joy. And then you look down at uh, chapter 1, verses 23 and 24, and he, and he admits, like, hey, I'm going to admit this, is, this isn't the best circumstances I've ever been in. But check this out. He says, I'm torn between two desires. I long to go and be with Christ, which would be far better for me. So he's like, listen, it'd be better for me to die. It would be a lot better for me to die because I would be with Jesus in heaven. So, yeah, I'm torn between two desires. Do I go or do I stay? But in all honesty, it would be a lot better for me to just go and be with Jesus than to be having all this dumped on me every day and, and surrounded in these circumstances. But look at this. Verse 24, he says, but for your sakes, it is better that I continue to live. 
And can you imagine, you know, the, the, the emotions and, and the things you're dealing with there? I mean, seriously, you know that God's got this call in your life. You know that you're responsible for the, the welfare of so many people. And here you are thinking, man, I, it would just be a lot better to be out of this situation. You know, he's not suicidal. He's not depressed. But he's saying, man, you know, honestly, I desire to be in heaven right now. And who wouldn't? If you were in that situation, you would, and you had the choice, man, I could be in heaven on streets of gold. I could be, you know, the, the river of life, the tree of life. I could be with Jesus every day. Yeah, that sounds a whole lot better than this. But Paul knew, even in this situation, he said, but no, it's a lot better for you guys that I stick around. You guys still need me. And so it's a lot better for me to be here. Think about that, man. Even in this situation, he wasn't thinking about how bad he had it. And and there's so many important things out of the book of Philippians, so many important things. Paul gives us in chapter 4 how to have the peace of God. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. You know, and then at the end of Philippians 4, well, 4.13, he says, listen, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Amen. And so through all of this, he's just got this crazy, upbeat attitude. And you're thinking, what is wrong with this man? But let's look here at chapter 2. Chapter 2 of the joy epistle, Philippians Chapter 2, verses 17 and 18. And, yeah, and he says this, But I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God, just like your faithful service is an offering to God. And I want all of you to share that joy. What are you talking about here? He's like, yeah, man, you know, my life, it could end. It could die down here, be poured out as a drink offering to God. Man, I want you to share that joy. Woo! And you're thinking, man, what is your deal? And then verse 18, he says, yes, you should rejoice and I will share your joy. And so here again, he is. He's telling all these guys, man, you need to rejoice. I just want to encourage you. Be full of joy. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Man, I'm telling you, you guys, I just want you to share my joy right now. And they're thinking, can you imagine them reading this? Guys, we got a letter from Paul, and I think he's finally—I think he's finally lost it. He's—he's he's really gone off the deep end this time. He's—he's he's happy that he's having poop dumped on him. Yeah, he's happy. He's down. He's rejoicing, and I—I—I I, I, I really think he's lost it. I'm just going to be honest right now. He finally did it, and—and and he's down there. I just, man, guys, life is good. Rejoice! I'm happy for you. And—and and he keeps going on. But then we get to this very famous verse that so many people know: Philippians four four. And, and I just quoted it, but Philippians 4.4, 4, he tells these guys, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I will say rejoice. And so he's closing out this whole letter. He's like, I am just want to say it again. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. And so out of this whole letter, and we can see all the things that the Lord did through the Apostle Paul. My God. This guy, if there was anybody ever used by God, it was this man. Blind people healed, dead people raised, 
demons cast out. He wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. I mean, just all of these things. And I think a big reason that God used him is because he had so much joy. You could throw him in prison. You could beat him. You could. I, we saw in the sermon last week in Acts 16, he's beaten to a pulp, and they put him in stocks down in the inner dungeon. And what's he do? He just starts singing praise and worship songs as loud as he can. You couldn't get this guy down. And so I examine our lives, and, and you know, truthfully, in, in our day and age, it's so easy with the access that we have to, you know, share our thoughts and emotions and feelings with so many. And, you know, I, I use, again, man, you, you see people just completely throwing a fit and losing over things so much more minor than what Paul was going through, don't you? I mean, and, and isn't it just crazy how these people that complain and, 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 and they're just so angry about all these things all the time, and they wonder why God just never uses them. Well, well I, you know, no one's ever tipped me $100. No, no one's ever, you know, I, I've given me this promotion. Blah, and no one does this for me, and I've never been used. I've never prayed for a blind person and seen them healed. I've never prayed for a person with a toothache and seen I've never, I don't even, I've never had a prayer. And listen to me. Check it out. A big reason that these things may not be happening in, in your life, if that's you or in, the, you know, in people's lives that are like this, is because they, man, faith is full of joy. If you are that negative and pessimistic and, and such a complainer all the time, there's no way that you're a person of faith. Are you kidding me? Because faith trusts God. And if your life and if things are really that bad for you, and listen, we all go through things just, you know, and I, and I deal with things. I just don't tell everybody about it. I tell God about it. And so, you know, we just encourage you with that, that and it's good. Get some prayer. Tell, you know, it's okay to reach out if you need it. But seriously, it's so much better to be a joyful person and 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 tell everybody about the good things going on in your life than the bad all the time don't be that type of person and paul wasn't that type of person here he is writing a letter from one of the just most foul places that you could be and the whole way he's saying rejoice i just want to encourage you guys man be full of joy i'll say it again rejoice I, I want you to share in the joy that I have right now, man, and, and all of this, and, and you just got to know that. And so one of the reasons that Paul had joy is this, and, and you should know this if you don't, is that there's a difference between joy and happiness. Joy and happiness are not the same thing, and so many people think that they are. Joy is a spiritual condition. It's a fruit of the spirit, the joy. Happiness is a human emotion. Human emotions can go up and down and in and out at any, any point of the day. You can be the happiest person in the world one minute and someone come in and, you know, do something you don't like. And I mean, instantly happiness is gone. It's out of here. And now you're mad because now you've got a different emotion. But if you live your life by joy instead of happiness... Listen, it's really hard to get you down. Someone can spit on your fries. You don't care, man. Hey, life is good. I'm all right. Someone can lock you up. Someone can make fun of you. Someone can steal from you. Whatever. And, you, and you're fine, man. You're like, hey, it's, it's all right. It's all good. God's on my side. I'm going to be okay. It's fine. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. 
and, and that's the type of person you are. But you have got to know that there's a difference between joy and happiness. And joy is so much better than happiness. I don't want to be a happy person. I don't want to have a happy life. I want to have a joyful life. Joy is so much better than happiness because happiness is conditional. Happiness depends upon how people are treating you. And joy can have people spit in your face, can have you locked in prison, can have people dump all over you, and it doesn't affect your how you how you're looking at life it doesn't affect your circumstances you're fine because hey you don't care how people treat you you just care about how things are with god and that's how paul was and so if your life is based on happiness that can get snatched away from you in one minute man someone can steal your parking spot and your whole day is ruined isn't that sad the things that steal our happiness i mean you know you can just be whistling and on cloud nine and having the best day of your life and someone you don't even know can cut you off or someone you've never even seen before can just come in and just snatch it away. And now you're, man, your day's ruined, your week's ruined, and then you got to go tell everybody about how crappy it is. I mean, how bad it is. And so, listen, I'm not supposed to say that word while preaching. So, seriously, you've got to get a hold of this, that faith is full of joy. Happiness can be taken away but joy cannot be taken away from you. Some people forfeit their joy and they give it up. But if you're truly being full of the Lord's joy, nobody can come in and take that away from you. It's not going to happen. And in fact, I'll just quote this. You can write it down. John 16:22. Jesus talking to the disciples about his death. He says, hey, but I'll see you again. Then you will rejoice and no one can rob you of that joy. And so Jesus, these guys are getting sad that he's going to be crucified and die. And he said, listen, I'm going to give you joy and nobody can take that away from you. When Jesus is your source of joy, that cannot be taken away. He said that to us. No one can rob you of the joy that Jesus gives you. Isn't that just isn't that about the best news you've heard in a long time? Because there's several things that I want my life to be. And, you know, and I don't even think about riches and money and stuff. I want a peaceful life. I want a joyful life. I want a, a healthy life with my family. I mean, that's, that's what I'm looking for. And, and seriously, Jesus tells me that I'm going to give you something. I'm going to give you joy. No one can take that away from you. That's yours to keep. No one can take that away. And now, again, a lot of times people will, will let loose of it and, and give it away or whatever. But... Jesus said that nobody can rob the joy that I give to you away from you. You hold on to that, and no matter what happens, no one can take that away. Now, again, looking at happiness, nearly anybody can take your happiness away. Jesus said no one can take your joy away, but nearly anybody can take the happiness away. Because happiness depends on other people. Joy depends on God. And when you get that down and you quit looking to people to meet your needs, when you quit looking to people to fulfill your life, you will have a fulfilled life. You know what I mean? I, I, I love my wife, but I don't look to her as my ultimate source of fulfillment. 
and she doesn't look to me as her ultimate source of fulfillment. And I mean, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know why not, because she's got it pretty good. But it's a joke. It's a joke. She's not here tonight to, you know, get mad about that. So tonight's my night to just let it go. But but seriously, I don't look to her as being my ultimate source of fulfillment. And I'm so thankful for her. But the truth of the matter is, is that there's only one solid foundation for our lives. And that is Jesus Christ, the solid rock. Do not make another person your foundation because people ultimately will fail you. At some point or another, you could have somebody on this pedestal, you know, your knight in shining armor, and eventually that person's going to let you down. You know what I mean? Jesus said, okay, and, and we've seen this in the Gospels, that Jesus said, there's this man built his house on a solid rock. Storms came. Storms came, and it was bad. Bad stuff happened, but after it all, his house was still fine. Because he laid the foundation on the right thing. There was another man built a house. I mean, they, these two guys have so much in common. Built a house. Storms came just like they did to the other guy. Probably the exact same storm we're looking at here. But when the storm came to this man, his house crashed and he lost everything. Because his house was not built on the right foundation. And so Paul was able to endure storm after storm after storm because he had the joy of the Lord. And if he didn't have that, he would have given up through the first storm. He would have said, yeah, man, I'm not doing this. I'm done, man. Are you kidding me? I go out and preach and then I get made fun of. I get beat. I get stoned. I get, I mean, everyone, is, everyone hates me now. Are you kidding me? I'm done with this. If his attitude was not an attitude of joy and faith and peace, listen, he would have, he would have quit. He would have given up. He would have, I mean, turned into an atheist or something. I don't know. He would have been in a bad situation. But his foundation was God. And so tonight, as we're studying all this about joy, this is just a reminder to you, your foundation needs to be God. It does not need to be your job, your wife, your husband, your children. Those are all nice things. But ultimately, any one of those things can fail you or can be taken away from you. Jesus Christ can never be taken away from you in this life or the next. Jesus will never fail you. He'll never leave you. He'll never forsake you. No one can take Jesus away from you, so nobody can take joy away from you. Amen? And so Paul was one of these guys that, no matter what he was going through, he was just, he was the same. You didn't know if he needed money or he had a bunch of money. You didn't know if he was, you know, feeling great or feeling bad that day. And have you ever known somebody that's like that? I mean, no matter what it is they're going through, they just seem like exactly the same. They've just, they're just, they're just seem like they're just totally fine. And you don't know if they, you know, if they're doing good, bad, whatever. They're just, they're just full of the joy of the Lord. That's what we need to be like. And that's what I'm striving to be more like. And I was telling the youth group a story the other night. I did something kind of dumb this week. So, you know, I'm going to share a little, share a little, little piece of me with you. But before I do, don't judge me. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Only God can judge me. Oh. And no, you feel free to judge me on this. This was really dumb. But, you know, the kids are going to school in Victorville. And, uh, you know, so I do 140 miles each day for educational purposes. And, and so I'm thinking, I'm really, I'm, you know, being a dude, I, I, 
guys, don't you just, you want to know exactly what gas mileage you're getting? Any, any other guys like that? I mean, you want to know to, you know, to the very last fume, okay, it's 26.2 miles per gallon. Yes. And you just want to know. And so I'm thinking, all right, I, I you know, I'm going to run this vehicle, you know, down to, uh, down to E because I need to get an accurate assessment of my fuel mileage. And so uh, I, I, I'm, I'm getting down there. And I'm like, okay, food for less down there. The gas is 10 cents cheaper. I got my 10 cent discount. I'm going to fill this thing up. It's going to be great. So anyway, my cheapness came back to bite me in the behind because I'm one mile from school going through a busy intersection of Victorville and it dies. And I'm stuck with kids, backpacks. The school is one mile. I can see it's on the other side of the freeway, but I'm way over here. And, I mean, I'm stuck, and there's people trying to get to work. And so this amazing saint from God jumps out of his car and pushes me to the side of the, of the road there. And uh, there's no shoulder. There's just two lanes. So I'm literally I'm just taking up a lane that no one can use now. But at the same time, I don't like I, I don't like to be late. OK. And and so I'm like, kids, grab your stuff. We're running. And so we're booking, <laughs> you know, and we're all and they they're wearing their polo shirts and, you know, their school uniforms. I mean, we're booking and and you, and and thank God. We made it right at 8.15. Woo! But that still doesn't solve the problem. I've got a broken down car in the lane of traffic, and people are honking and getting mad. So I get a hike back over there, and I'm waiting on AAA to get there. And, and you know, thank God for AAA because people like me. And so they're, they're bringing some fuel out, and, and, you know, there's cars trying to get around mine. And I'm, just, I'm sitting there on a box beside the road just like, hey, yeah, I know, have and, and so this sheriff comes up. This is a long story. I have no idea why I'm telling this. But so this sheriff comes up and, you know, and she's like, hey, you know, I, at least I can put my lights on. And, and so she's like, I'll wait with you. I'm like, okay, good. Someone to talk to. And she gets back in her vehicle in the AC. I'm like, yeah, thanks a lot. So I see her in there, you know, sipping her drink and, you know, the, the air's like blowing her hair and stuff. I'm like, yeah, thanks. But after a while, I, uh, to be honest, I was, I was getting a little bit upset. You know what I mean? Uh, at myself, mainly, but, but here I am. And, and it, it's just hot standing there in the sunlight. There's no shade. I don't even have a drink or anything. And after a while, I'm, I'm, I, I am tempted. I was tempted to complain. Can you believe that? I was tempted. And, and here I am. And, 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 and finally, I'm like, you know what? What I need to do right now is I need to worship God. I need to I need to start worshiping because anytime I sing to God I feel better and so I I just get up off of my little box that I found and I raise my hands and I start singing worship songs and then I notice that as cars were driving past and I've got a sheriff's car with lights on and I'm beside the road like this it looked a little bit weird and so cars are like slowing down oh my God you know taking but anyway it looked a little bit strange. But I felt so much better. And in this situation, I could have totally just, I mean, kicked some rocks and just, uh, man, why'd this happen? Here I am. I mean, it took me forever to get back to Barstow and all this stuff. But when I decided to rejoice in the Lord, when I decided to sing some worship songs to God, when I decided to thank God for all the great stuff in my life, man, I felt so much better. I had a fantastic day. I had an absolutely wonderful day that day, and it could have turned out to be a really bad one. But the choice is yours on how you handle stuff. 
you can rejoice or you can sit there and complain. And I was thinking of the Apostle Paul right there and, and, and what he did. And I'm telling you, this stuff works if you'll do it. So the next time you're in a bad situation, you could complain or you could start singing and you could rejoice and thank God for all the wonderful things that he's done in your life. And so you need to be like that. And Paul, as I said, he was not a happy person. He was a joyful person. And when you're trusting God, man, you can stay positive even when your life is in the dumps. And that's what Paul did. And that's why he was so full of faith. And so, you know, I I think about it this way. You know, you can think about it that say you're a, a kid at school and and you're getting picked on all the time and stuff like that and and check it out what if though what if you're that kid and 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 Paul was kind of like this but what if you're that kid that's getting picked on and everyone's like man what, what why is this guy still happy he's getting slapped around they're taking his lunch money they're giving him wedgies and here he is with a smile on his face and 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 the reason for that is is that he knows Man, my dad is getting ready to come in and completely take care of the bully. If you knew that your dad was just right around the corner, and yeah, I mean, I'd be like, hey, come on, yeah, come on, bring, bring it on over here. I've got something for you. And your dad steps out. Well, that's what Paul was expecting this whole time. He knew, man, go ahead, do whatever you want to do to me. But God, my heavenly father, is going to come through and defeat the bully. And so I said all that to get to this verse right here, Colossians 2.15. Colossians 2.15. Amen. In the King James Version here, Colossians 2.15, because the truth of the matter is this, is that your heavenly Father has already defeated the bully. Amen. He sent Jesus to take care of Satan. And when Jesus died, listen, he, he descended into hell for three days. And he didn't just go down there to, you know, check out the situation. He went down there and there was some warfare that went on. But when Jesus went down there, he defeated the enemy. And I love this verse, Colossians 2.15 in the King James, it says, And having spoiled principalities and powers, that's demons and demonic forces, it says, He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. And so what does all that mean? It says when he went down to hell, he spoiled principalities and powers. He beat up the devil. He beat up demons. And it says he made a public show of them. He made a spectacle of them. He embarrassed them publicly in front of all their friends. I can just see Jesus down there. I mean, smacking Satan around in front of all the demons and all his little buddies. And he made a public show of Satan Jesus defeated the bully. And so Paul knew this. You need to know this, that no matter what is going on in your life, Jesus is greater. He is on your side. And whenever Satan tries to come in and tell you, oh, man, it's going to be bad for you. It's bad and getting worse. You don't listen when he tries to remind you of either your bad past or a bad future. You need to remind him of his future. Because the end of the book, Revelation 20.10, you can look at it up there or or whatever. But Revelation 20.10 says, Then the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the fiery lake of burning sulfur, joining the beast and the false prophet, and there they'll be tormented day and night forever and ever. There's a day coming when Satan is going to be thrown into hell, and he is never getting out. 
That's his future. He has no future. There is absolutely nothing. And in fact, Revelation 20 tells us he knows he has a short time. And so he's doing everything he can to come in and try to torture you. Because he's like, I mean, I've only got a few years left. I've got to get it in while I can. Because he knows there's a short time. But I'm telling you right now that whenever he tries to come in and, and scare you and bring lies and, and be a bully in your life, say, man, listen. I, I know what happened back then when Jesus took you in hell, and he's going to take you again and throw you back down there, and you're never getting out. It's going to be a lot worse for you than it even was before. And so when the bully tries to come in and speak to you, you can be full of joy in the Lord and say, man, your day's coming, and it is going to be ugly. I'm, I'm going to rejoice in the Lord, and I'll say it again. Rejoice. Faith is full of joy. Why? Because trust in God. And then the second thing is this, is because it isn't dependent upon natural circumstances. Because it isn't dependent upon natural circumstances. My joy is not based upon how you treat me. My joy is not based upon how much money I have. I can be just as, I can have just as big a smile on my face if I have zero dollars or ten billion dollars. That's joy. Because, again, you know, as Paul said, Philippians 4.19, hey, Paul probably didn't have that much money right then being locked in the prison. But he said, hey, my God will supply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I'm good. I'm not going to complain. I'm good. And so that's the attitude that you have to have. But faith in God is the only true way that you're ever going to have joy. Because like we said, storms come to everybody. Nobody gets a free pass to go through life and never have anything bad happen to them. Jesus had bad stuff happen to him when he was here. People tried to kill him all the time. You know what I mean? His, his own brothers made fun of him, it says. His brothers said, hey, Jesus, what, why are you hanging out over here? You should go into town and do your miracles where everybody can see you. I mean, hey, you, you're cool, Jesus. <laughs> you know, they were making fun of him. And, and they, his own brothers, it says, uh, John tells us, because they didn't even believe in him. And so here he is. You could say Jesus in some ways came from some kind of dysfunctional family. And in some ways, you know, his brothers didn't believe in him. They made fun of him and all this stuff. And so if Jesus had to deal with trouble, you're going to have to deal with it too. But the, the, the question is, how are you going to deal with it? Again, are you going to complain and, and whine and, and, and just make him throw a hissy fit? Or are you going to get a smile on your face and start singing some worship songs? Are you going to get a smile on your face and start speaking some scriptures? How are you going to handle it? Well, I can tell you this. If you're going to handle it with joy, if you're going to be like Paul, you are going to be a person of faith. You're going to be a person that God can actually do something with. And that is what I want in my life. I want to be a person that God can do something with. And the strongest people that I know, ironically, are the most joyful people I know. The people that I know that do more for God and are blessed of God and, and are just, I mean, living for God on fire, they're the strongest people I know. They're also the most joyful people that I know. They're also the people that, man, no matter what you throw at them, they're, they're, they're going to keep on living their Christian life. They're not giving up on God. They're not giving up on church. They're not giving up on the situation. They're just steady. They're consistent. They're stable. And that's one of the great things that we've got to learn in life is that we've got to be consistent. 
You know, we talk about that with parenting. You've got to be consistent. But your Christian life, it's got to be consistent. It's got to be consistent. And so joy, if you will, walk in this fruit of the Spirit called joy, you will have a very consistent life. We're not going to, no one's going to say, oh, well, something must have happened to her. Here she comes again. I can see it. It's written all over her face. And again, we know you go through stuff. We're not making fun of that. But all I'm saying is this. When you learn to rely on the joy of the Lord, things do not affect you like they used to. You can be like Paul writing a letter in prison with a smile on your face saying, hey, I just want to build you guys up right now. I hope everything's going all right. Just rejoice. Be full of joy. God's got great plans for your life. He's going to supply all your needs. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Oh, man, it's good. That's what you can be like. And so a great verse that you need to know is this, Nehemiah 8.10, and that may be kind of hard for you to find, but, but find Nehemiah 8.10, and we're going to look at the last part of this verse. Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10. And this is one of the verses that I quote every morning. I've got, a, I've, I've got this uh, book of three by five cards, and hey, this is a good idea for you. Write some verses down in it that you like, and every morning speak those verses before you start your day. It makes a big difference. But this is one of the verses uh, that I quote every day. Nehemiah 8.10, we'll look at the last part of it. And it says this, this is a sacred day before our Lord. Don't be dejected and sad for the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. And so why are strong Christians joyful people? Why? Because joy brings strength. Man, you work, you work on joy. You work on, on staying consistent and joyful. That's just like working out, lifting some weights, man. You're going to be a strong, strong person. Because the devil knows, well, I mean, I can throw seven, but it's no fun with them anymore. They don't, they don't give me any credit. They, they don't let everybody know one anymore, man. They're not any fun. And, and that is exactly what we want to do. And, you know, whenever there's an, an antagonist in your life, there's a lot of antagonists in my family. I won't mention any names, but a lot of us, we like to kind of antagonize each other and our wives. And, and you know, whenever you're trying to, you know, kind of annoy somebody, when they don't, when they don't get upset anymore, it's kind of no fun. You just move on to someone else. You're like, well, she's no fun. I'll go, I'll go make Julie mad. And, you know, and so, you know, we move from, from Katie to Julie or whatever, and, and it's just what we do. But it's no fun to, to pick on someone and, and annoy them and antagonize them when they don't react. But when they do, you know, blow up every time and, you know, you sit there and laugh and it's funny. But, but check it out. Whenever the devil knows, hey, they're not going to they're, – they're not any fun anymore. And, of course, things will always, as long as you're on this earth, come to you. But why sit there and just make the devil so happy that you're, you're kicking your feet and cursing and – and blowing up at everybody and blaming people and blah, blah, blah. Listen, don't be like that. And so the joy of the Lord is your strength. Walk in that. Be a strong person. Be a joyful person. And so there's one, well, I'm going to show you one more story here before we close out. But it's in Acts chapter 27. Let's look at, at Acts chapter 27. Yes, who's having a good time? Who's happy to be here? Who's joyful to be here? 
the happy cheer was louder than the joyful cheer. That was who's joyful to be at church. <laughs> okay, so in Acts chapter twenty-seven, Paul once again is a prisoner. And if you study the New Testament, most of the time Paul was in prison or on house arrest. And it wasn't for doing <laughs> it wasn't for doing terrible things. It was for doing good things. But uh, here he is. Once again, he's a prisoner. He's uh, being shipped over to Rome. He's going to stand trial before Caesar. And that's a long story. But as they're on this trip, on the ship, he's on this trip. God warns him, okay, in a vision that there's getting ready to be a really bad storm. And so God tells him about this. He's totally prepared. But no one wants to listen to him because he's the prisoner, you know what I mean? If, if When you're the guy in charge of the ship, you're not going down to the prisoners for advice. Hey, Paul, what do you think? What do you think we should do? No. And so no one listens to him. But the storm comes, and it was such a bad storm. I mean, they're tossing stuff overboard and all this. But they didn't see the sun for several days. This wasn't just a two-hour storm. This was, I mean, several days. And if you've ever been on a boat in the ocean getting tossed up and down, I mean, you get sick. I've been there, and it's, it's kind of hard to keep your lunch down. And so I can imagine all this stuff that, that this must have been another really bad circumstance and another really smelly one, just like he was in the last prison. And so here he is, several days of just up and down, tossed around, people just going overboard and just madness, and not even seeing the sun, it tells us, for several days. But look what this nut has to say when he comes up out of the bottom. Uh, Acts chapter 27, verse 25, he he comes up to talk to the guys. Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer. Can you imagine that? Here comes this nut out of the bottom with a smile on his face. Hey, guys, top of the morning, be of good cheer. I'm like, what is wrong with you, fool, man? And here he is, that this guy just always smiling, always joyful, wakes up on the right side of the bed every day. And here he is, he comes up out of three days of nastiness, and he tells them, hey guys, be of good cheer. Can you imagine what they were thinking? And so he tells them this, for I believe God that it shall be even as it was told to me. And what was it that was told to him? Well, he he tried to tell him, guys, there's a storm coming, but my God that I serve told me nobody's going to die. It's going to be a bad storm, but nobody's going to die. And so here they hear from Paul again after three days, four days, whatever it was of storm. He says, be of good cheer. It's going to be just like my God told me. And it was nobody died. They did get shipwrecked on an island, (laughs) the island of Malta. And this is, you know, at the end of the book of Acts here, they get shipwrecked and there's all these locals there, the natives. And one night Paul's going to throw some sticks on the fire and this poisonous snake jumps out and fastens itself to Paul's arm. This is a deadly snake. And Paul's like, get off there, little guy, shakes it off and walks off. And everybody's like, "Okay, wait for it. Wait for it. Wait for it. They're waiting for him to die. And he doesn't die. He just walks around his normal Paul self. And they're, they're like, hey, man, he's gonna, what's going on? And so they all decide, oh, this man must be a god. 
And so they all start bowing down to Paul. And he's like, man, no, 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 no. I'm not a god. I'll tell you about my god, though. And so because Paul was full of joy again and again, prison, shipwreck, beating, stoning, stabbing, slapping, murder, all this different stuff, he, he got killed once. And all this stuff, check it out. Well, he got killed twice. But anyway, but all, after all this stuff that he's gone through, joy, 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 keeps getting back up every single time. And because of that, when you see somebody like that, you want to hear what they have to say. You know what I mean? When you see somebody get like a, a cobra bites you and you shake it off and you skip off whistling, I mean, I'm like, I want to hear what that guy has to say. Something's different about him. And if you are full of the joy of the Lord, people will want to listen to what you have to say about Jesus. But if you walk around all the time negative and nasty, it's bad and getting worse, man. Tell you what, man, no hope for anybody. You go around all the time just being like that, and then you want to come and witness to somebody, hey, you ought to come to my church. It's awesome, man. And, yeah, just, uh, yeah, you need Jesus. You. You need Jesus. And I'm thinking, did Jesus do that to you? Because I don't want none of that. You look nasty. And, and seriously, if you're full of joy, people want to be around you. They want to hear what you have to say. But if you're nasty and sad and depressed and just mean, nobody wants to hear what you have to say about Jesus. And so as we're just bringing it all to the end here, faith is full of joy. And if you're going to be someone like Paul, God is going to use you. People are going to get saved. They're going to come to church. You're going to pray for people and their families and their marriages and their jobs. God's going to use you day after day after day because he knows you're stable, you're consistent, and he can count on you. And so the, the last couple of verses here, I want to show you uh, Psalm 34. And you can't go wrong in Psalm 34. This is one of the best chapters. I mean, this is one of... One of my favorite chapters in the Bible, definitely. But Psalm 34, verses 4 and 5, you should read this chapter very often. But Psalm 34, verses 4 and 5. And this is actually a chapter that David wrote at a bad time when King Saul was chasing him down. And Saul was about to kill him, and so David uh, pretended that he was insane. You've heard this story, and, and he, you know, he sat down on the city square and was drooling on himself and stuff. And so David writes Psalm 34 during this time period. But Psalm 34, verse 4, David says this, I prayed to the Lord, and he answered me. He freed me from all my fears. Those who look to him for help will be radiant with joy. No shadow of shame will darken their faces. And so tonight, we encourage you with this. Faith is full of joy. Whatever it is you're going through, man, and maybe things are just perfect right now and awesome, great. Maybe they're good, maybe they're bad. Either way, you need to have the joy of the Lord. You need to be that stable, consistent person that, you know, no matter what happens, maybe things are crazy at work, but everyone's like, well, you know, we know he's not going to care. He's just good either way. He, does, he never cares. You need to be that guy where you're stable, consistent, you're full of the joy of the Lord 
God is going to use you in a big way. Your prayers are going to get answered. You're going to have just be a faith giant like Paul was. Good things are going to come your way. Faith is full of joy. Let's be that way. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Amen. All right, let's go ahead and stand up tonight. Go ahead and stand up together.